So when everybody leaves, it's just Elon sitting at home, brushing his teeth, just a bunch of ideas bouncing around your head. When did you realize that that's not the case with most people? I think when I was, I don't know, five or six or something, I thought I was insane. It was just strange because it was clear that other people did not, their mind wasn't exploding with ideas. It was like, hmm, I'm strange. I don't think, I don't think you'd necessarily want to be me. People would like it that much. It's very hard to turn it off. It's like a never-ending explosion. All the time. Now is the time to overrule this administration's pledge to mediocrity. Listen. Tesla's a sell, sell, sell. You don't want to own this stock. You shouldn't even rent the darn thing. Why? Because beyond the hype, there's just not much going on here. Tesla still has yet to turn a profit. That'll be a $1.5 billion company with no profit. Its most recent quarter actually lost more money than it did the year before, $1.5 billion, losing more money than the year before. This is a company with limited visibility. You put $90 billion, like 50 years worth of breaks into, into solar and wind. To, to, to Solyndra and Fisker and Tesla and Enter One. I mean, I, I had a friend who said you don't just pick the winners and losers, you pick the losers. Private enterprise will not ever lead a space frontier. Not because I don't want them to, but my read of history, history tells me they can't. It's not possible. You know, there are American heroes who don't like this idea. Neil Armstrong, Gene Cernan have both testified against commercial spaceflight in the way that you're developing it, and I wonder what you think of that. I was very sad to see that, uh, because those guys are, yeah, you know, those guys are heroes of mine, so it's really tough. You know, I, I wish they would come and visit and, and see the hardware that we're doing here, and, and I think that would change their mind. They inspired you to do this, didn't they? Yes and to see them casting stones in your direction. It's difficult. Did you expect them to cheer you on? So they're hoping they would. What are you trying to prove to them? What I'm trying to do is, is to make a, a significant difference in, in spaceflight and, and, and help make spaceflight accessible to, to almost anyone. One of the most difficult choices I've ever faced uh, in life was was in 2008 um, and um, I think I had uh, like a, maybe 30 million dollars left or 30 or 40 million dollars left in 2008 I had two choices I could put it all into one company and then the other company would definitely die um, or split it between the two companies and but if I split it between the two companies then both might die um, and you know, when you put your blood, sweat, and tears into creating something, or building something, it's like a child. And so it's like, which one am I going to let one starve to death? I couldn't bring myself to do it, so I, put, I, I split the money between the two. Fortunately, thank goodness, uh, they both came through. What was your biggest failure, and how did it change you? Well, there's a ton of failures along the way, that's for sure. As I said, for, for SpaceX, the first three launches failed. And uh, we, we were just barely able to scrape together enough parts and, and money to do the 
the fourth launch. If that fourth launch had failed, we would have been dead. So multiple failures along the way. Tesla really faced a severe uh, th threat of death uh, due to the Model 3 production ramp. Essentially, the company was bleeding money like crazy, and, and just if, if we didn't solve these problems in a very short period of time, uh, we would die. Uh, and it was extremely difficult to solve them. How close to death did you come? We were within single-digit weeks. I went to Russia three times to, to look at buying um, a refurbished ICBM. And uh, I can tell you it was very weird going there in, in 2000, late 2001, 2002, going to the, the Russian rocket forces and saying, I'd like to buy two of your biggest rockets, uh, but you can keep the nuke. They thought I was crazy, but, but I did have money, so that was, that was okay. Uh, um, and after making several trips to, to Russia, I, I came to the conclusion that my initial thought was, well, that, that there's not enough will to explore and expand beyond Earth and have a Mars base and that kind of thing. But I came to the conclusion that that, that was wrong. Um, in fact, there's plenty of will, particularly in the United States, uh, because the United States is a nation of explorers, of people who came here from, from other parts of the world. And I think the United States is really a, distil a distillation of the, the spirit of human exploration. So af after my third trip, I said, okay, well, what we really need to do here is try to solve the, the space transport problem and, uh, and started SpaceX. Um, and uh, this, this was against the advice of pretty much everyone I talked to. Uh, think, think it, was, it was tough going there in the beginning uh, because I'd never built anything physical. I mean, I'd built like little model rockets as a kid and that kind of thing, but um, I'd never had a company that built anything physical. So I had to figure out how to, how to do all these things and, and bring together the right team of people. It, it, it was tough, tough going. Um, because the thing about a rocket is that the, the, the passing grade is 100%. You, you don't get to actually test the rocket in the real environment that it's going to be in. So I think so the best analogy for, for rocket engineering is, is like if you want to create a really com complicated bit of software, um, you, you can't run the software as an integrated whole, and you can't run it on the computer it's intended to run on, but the first time you put it all together and run it on that computer, it must run with no bugs. The, the first launch, I was picking up bits of rocket near the, near the launch site, it was a bit sad. But we, we, we learned with, with each successive flight and, uh, and were able to, with, uh, eventually with the fourth flight in 2008, uh, reach orbit. I, I tried very hard to, to get the right expertise in for, for SpaceX. I tried hard to, to find a great uh, chief engineer for the rocket, but it, not, the good chief engineers wouldn't join, and the bad ones, well, there was no, no point in hiring them. So I ended up being chief engineer of the rocket. Um, so if I could have found somebody better, then we would have maybe had less than three failures. How did you get the expertise to be the chief technology officer of a rocket ship company? Um, well, I do have a physics background. That's helpful as a foundation. Um, and then I read a lot of books and talked to a lot of, a lot of smart people. You're self-taught? Yeah. Well, well self-taught, yes, meaning um, I, didn't, I don't have an aerospace degree. So how, how did you go about acquiring the knowledge? Well, uh, I, like I said, I read a lot of books, talked to a lot of people, and, and have a great team. When you had that third failure in a row, did you think, I need to pack this in? Never. Why not? I don't ever give up. I mean, I'd have to be dead or completely incapacitated. 
So many people tried to talk me out of starting a ride company, it was, it was crazy. What did they tell you? One good friend of mine collected a whole series of, of uh, videos of rockets blowing up and made me watch those. He just didn't want me to lose all my money. How did you figure you were going to start a car company and be successful at it? Well, I, I didn't really think Tesla would be successful. I thought we would most likely fail. But I thought that we at least uh, could address the false perception that people had that an electric car had to be ugly and slow and, and boring like a golf cart. But you say you didn't expect the company to be successful, then why try? If something's important enough, you should try, even if you, the probable outcome is failure. Were you a little naive when you thought, I'll just, I can easily build, build an electric car and, and a rocket? I didn't think it would be easy. Um, I th like I said, I thought they would probably fail. Um, but you know, like, creating a company is almost like having a child. So it's sort of like, how do you say your child should not have food? So one, once you have the company, you have to, to feed it and nurse it yeah. and <laughs> take care of it, of it even if it, it ruins you? Yeah. But uh, I suppose there were some tough times in uh, 2008, end of 2008. How did you get through that period of crisis? Yeah. Can we just break for a second? Sure, 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 of course, yeah. You want to wait a little while? Yeah, I sure hope it was worth it. Sure hope it was worth it. Where does that come from, or how do you think about making a decision when everyone tells you this is a crazy idea? Or where do you get the internal strength to do that? Well, first of all, I'd say I actually think I, I, think I fear, feel fear quite strongly. Um, so it's not as though I just have the absence of fear. I, I feel it quite strongly. Um, but there are just times when something is important enough, that you believe in it enough, that you, you do it in spite of the fear. People should think, well, I feel fear about this and therefore I shouldn't do it. Um, it's normal to, be, to feel fear. Like you'd have to definitely something mentally wrong if you didn't feel fear. Particularly if you're starting a company, you need to work super hard. So what, what does super hard mean? Uh, well, when my brother and I were starting our first company, uh, in, instead of getting an apartment, we just rented a, a small office and we slept on the couch. Uh, and we, we showered at the, the YMCA. And uh, we're, we're so hot up, we had just one computer. So the, the, the website was up during the day, uh, and I was coding at night. Seven days a week, all the time. Um, and I, I uh, sort of briefly had a girlfriend in that period. And in order to be with me, she had to sleep in the office. So uh, work hard, like, it, it, I mean, every waking hour, that's, that's the, the thing I would, I would say, if, if you, particularly if you're starting a company. And I mean, if you do simple math, say like, okay, if somebody else is working 50 hours and you're working 100, uh, you'll get twice as, done, as much done in the course of a year as the, as, uh, the other company. I think certainly uh, being focused on something that you're confident will have high value to someone else, um, and just being really rigorous in making that assessment, um, because people are, tend, tend to, a natural human tendency is wishful thinking. Um, so a challenge for entrepreneurs is to say, well, what's the difference between really believing in your ideals and sticking, sticking to them versus 
pursuing some unrealistic dream that right. doesn't actually have merit. And it's, it's, that, is a, it, that is a really difficult thing to, to tell. You, can you tell the difference between those two things? Right. You know? So you need to be sort of very rigorous um, in, in your self-analysis. Uh, self and then just work like hell. I mean, you just have to put in you know, 80 hour, 80 to 100 hour weeks every week. All those things improve the odds of success. I think it's important that you really like whatever you're doing. Um, if, if you don't like it, life is too short. If you like what you're doing, you think about it even when you're not working. I mean, you're, it'll just, it, it's, it's something that your mind is drawn to. But even if you're, if you're the best of the best, there's always a chance of failure. And, and if you don't like it, you just really can't make it work, I think. If you're creating a company or if you're joining a company, uh, the most important thing is to uh, is to attract great people. So either be with, join a group that's amazing, that you really respect, or if, you, if you're building a company, you've got to gather great people. I mean, all a company is, is a group of people that have gathered together to create a product or service. And so depending upon how talented and hardworking that group is, and the degree to which they're focused uh, cohesively in, in a good direction, that will determine the success of the company. So do everything you can to, to gather great people uh, if, if you're creating a company. Then I'd say focus on, on signal over noise. Uh, a lot of companies get, get confused. They, they spend money on things that don't actually make the product better. So, for example, at, at Tesla, we've, we've never spent any money on advertising. Uh, we, we put all of the money into R&D and, and manufacturing and design to try to make the car as good as possible. Um, and uh, I think that's, that's, that's the way to go. For, for any given company, just keep thinking about, are these efforts that people are, are expending, are they resulting in a better product or service? And if they're not, stop those efforts. Don't, don't just follow the trend. So um, you may have heard me say that it's good to think in terms of the, the physics approach of first principles, uh, which is, Rather than reasoning by analogy, you boil things down to the most fundamental truths you can imagine and you reason up from there. And this is a good way to figure out if, if, if something really makes sense or if it's just what everybody else is doing. It's hard to think that way. You can't think, think that way about everything. It takes a lot of effort. Uh, but if you're trying to do something new, it's the best way to think. Um, and that framework was developed by, by physicists to figure out counterintuitive things um, like quantum mechanics. So it's really a powerful, powerful method. The final thing I would encourage you to do is now is the time to take risk. Uh, you don't have, <laughs> yeah, you don't, you, don't have, you don't have kids. As you get older, your obligations increase. So you, the, and once you have a family, you start taking risk not just for yourself, but for your family as well. It gets much harder to uh, do things that might not work out. Um, so now is the time to do that uh, before you before you have those obligations. So I would, I would encourage you to take risks now. Do something bold. Um, you won't regret it. What's your mission in life? Why you do whatever you do? When, when I was a kid, I was wondering kind of what's the meaning of life? Like, why are we here? What's it all about? And um, I came to the conclusion that uh, what, what really matters is trying to understand the right questions to ask. 
the more that we can increase the scope and scale of uh, human consciousness, the better we are able to ask these questions. So, so I think that there's certain things that are necessary to ensure that the future is good. Um, and uh, some of those things are in the long term having long-term sustainable transport and sustainable energy generation. Um, and uh, to be a space-bearing civilization and for humanity to be out there among the stars and be a multi-planetary uh, species. Um, I mean, I think the being a multi-planet species and being out there among the stars is important for uh, the long-term survival of humanity. And uh, that's one reason, kind of like life insurance for life collectively, life as we know it. Um, but then the part that I find personally most motivating is that it creates a sense of adventure and it makes people excited about the future. Um, now if you consider two futures, one where uh, we are forever confined to Earth until eventually something terrible happens, or another future where we are out there on many planets, maybe even going beyond the solar system. How many, how many things can you buy that you really love, that really give you joy? So rare, so rare. I wish there were more things. That's what we're trying to do, just make things that somebody loves. I think that second version is incredibly exciting and inspiring, and there need to be reasons to get up in the morning. You know, life can't just be about solving problems. Otherwise, what's the point? There's got to be things that people find inspiring uh, and make life worth living. The universe as we know it will dissipate into a fine mist of cold nothingness eventually. I don't want to sound like, like things are too dark because I think like you, you kind of have to be optimistic about the future. There's no point in being pessimistic. It's just too negative. It doesn't help, you know. I think you want to be, I mean, my theory is like, I'd rather be optimistic and wrong than pessimistic and right. Like, what are the set of things that can be done to make the future better? I think that a future where we are a space-faring civilization and out there among the stars, this is very exciting. This makes me look forward to the future. This makes me want that future. There need to be things that make you look forward to waking up in the morning. You wake up in the morning, you look forward to the day, forward to the future. In a future where we are a space-faring civilization and out there among the stars, I think that's very exciting. That is a thing we want. Whereas if, if you knew we would not be a space-faring civilization but forever confined to Earth, this would not be a good future. That would be very sad, I think. If there are two futurists and one futurist who are out there among the stars and the things we read about and see in science fiction movies, the good ones, are true, we have these starships and we're we're going to see what other planets are like. And we're a multi-planet species and the scope and scale of consciousness is expanded across many civilizations and many planets and many star systems. This is a great future. This is a wonderful thing to me. And that's what we should strive for. People look like they have a much better life than they really do. People are posting pictures of when they're really happy, 
they're modifying those pictures to be better looking. Um, even if they're not modifying the pictures, they're at least selecting the pictures for the best lighting, the best angle. So people basically seem uh, uh, they're way better looking than they basically really are. Um, and they're way happier seeming than they really are. So if you look at everyone on Instagram, you might think, man, they're all these happy, beautiful people. And I'm not that good looking and I'm not happy. So I'm a suck, you know, and that's going to make people sad. When in fact, those people you think are super happy, actually not that happy. Some of them are really depressed. They're very sad. Some of the happiest seeming people, actually some of the saddest people in reality. So I think, I think things like that can make people quite sad. This may sound corny, but love is the answer. Wouldn't hurt to have more love in the world. I think, you know, I think people should be nicer to each other and give people and give give more credit to, to others and don't assume that they're mean until you know they're actually mean. You know, just it's easy to demonize people. You're usually wrong about it. People are nicer than you think. Give people more credit.